بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم اللهم صل على سيدنا ونبينا ومولانا محمد وبارك وسلم ويعن سورة السجدة ألف لام ميم سجدة السورة نمبر 32 آية نمبر 12 بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم ولو ترى إذ المجرمون ناكسوا رؤوسهم عند ربهم ربنا أبصرنا وسمعنا فرجعنا نعمل صالحا إلا موقنون And if you were to see them, O Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam at the time when those who are criminals will be lowering their heads in front of their lords and then they will say, O our Lord, أبصرنا وسمعنا We have now observed and we have listened. Farja'ana. Send us back. We will be good. Do good deeds. Because now we have yaqeen and certainty. Walau shi'na la atayna kulla nafsi hudaha. Walakin haqq al-qawlu minni. La'amla anna jahannama min al-jinnati wal nasi ajma'in. These ayat we did the last time also. We'll read the translation for the sake of and had we wished, uh, we could have given every nafs, every soul its guidance. But the truth is, the ultimate truth from me has been uh, perfected, realized. And what is that? That I will in certain, most certainly indeed fill Jahannam with the jinn kind and the mankind altogether collectively. So now taste what you have forgotten about the meeting of this day here. Indeed, we have forgotten you. Now taste the punishment of eternity because of what you did. إِنَّمَا يُؤْمِنُ بِآيَاتِنَا الَّذِينَ إِذَا ذُكِّرُوا بِهَا خَرُّوا سُجَّدًا وَسَبَّحُوا بِحَمْدِ رَبِّهِمْ وَهُمْ لَا يَسْتَكْبِرُونَ Indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying that once you have understood that Jahannam will be invariably filled with the jinn kind and the human kind how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does that as I mentioned is mentioned in the hadith now come to terms with reality and grasp situation, opportunity in this world and realize, appreciate that uh, those who believe in our ayat, our signs and in our verses, our revelations what, how do they believe? How do they act when they hear our words being recited or our signs becoming evident with them? When they are reminded of them 
or when they are reminded through them. What do they do? They fall down in prostration. They fall down in sajda. And they praise Allah. And they make tasbih through praising their Lord. And they have no pride and no arrogance. And they have no score in them for um, God's asking them to bow and pray and submit, acquiesce, resign and all of the other essential qualities of someone who believes. Here in this ayah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is summarizing for us the psyche and the mindset of uh, people whom he loves and who loves him. But that is once you are seeking for an answer, not a proof. There's a difference between looking for an answer and guidance and looking for a proof. Here, we see that these people who believe they're looking for guidance and they're looking for an answer to their situation, their problem and their question. Whenever they're reminded through the ayat, the signs either in the horizons, in the afaq or within themselves or through the Quran and Sunnah, or it may be through an experience, it may be that someone else has an experience, it may be that they have a dream or vision, it may be some other form of Reminder. When they are reminded, meaning they are, they are put on notice, they are notified, they are informed through the cosmos or through their own experience. Either one. The idea that Jibreel is going to come and give you the answer, that even a prophet can't do. Right? According to our Qida. He's not supposed to do that. So now, how does Allah remind people? In a dhukkiru, when they are reminded. Allah reminds people through His creation. In the Rabbaqa'ul Your Lord is the ever creating, constantly, perpetually creating, because He is all knowledgeable. So now he knows your situation, he knows the world in which you live, he knows everything and everyone in your life. So now through those props okay, in your world, you are going to be given a reminder. That reminder may come in the form of a teacher, in the form of your spouse, in the form of your children, in the form of your parents, in the form of your friends, in the form of Something you read in the newspaper, something you observe in the world, maybe in the form of an event that's unraveling in the world, it may be in the form of a dream or a personal feeling. Ayat, ayat refers to all of this. Because he is your Lord. When they are reminded by those ayat, and what do they do? The word Rabb there is very critical. That Allah is training them. Allah is uh, organizing their lives for them. Allah is their Rabb. So the process of Rububiyyah 
and tarbiyah, the process by which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brings every individual to terms with his or her reality is the reminder. This is a reminder in the universal sense. And now obviously the best reminder is the Qur'an. When you read the Qur'an and you read Wahi and you read the Sunnah and the Du'as of the Prophet wasallam, then you acquiesce and say, this is a reminder for me. And once you are reminded and then you know, this is my solution. This is the answer I was looking for. Then you bow down in prostration and you say, Alhamdulillah, Allah has given me guidance. Allah has responded to my call, my need. Allah is now answering me this way. But they, then you don't look for proof anymore. That is the proof. Yeah. The problem with human beings is that when they see a solution, they want proof. Is this the solution? So the word sajda now means that you have the solution. Now go with it. Abide by it. Bow down to what Allah is saying to you and then prostrate in front of him and avoid istikbar. Avoid the uh, trap of falling into this arrogance. I need something better than this. But what you have in front of you is at least 90% better than what you had yesterday. But then man is so greedy and arrogant, I want 100%. I'm not going to do anything until I get 100% confirmation. But that doesn't happen. You will never get 100% confirmation because that only happens in your grave on the Day of Judgment. you want to be there? No. So, acquiesce to the reality you have in front of you. Nothing is that certain in this world. So, go with what is available. That's وَهُمْ لَا يَسْتَكْبِرُونَ They're not arrogant about it. No, 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 I still feel this way. So this is, this is how we see human beings playing a role in their own uh, destruction and human beings playing a role in their own salvation and their own uh, fortune in this world. That those who are at least uh, satisfied that, alhamdulillah, what I have today is 60% better than what I had yesterday, then go with it. You'll never get 100% in this world. It's not meant for that unless you have wahi from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which you don't. And even those who were privy to wahi in front of the Prophet ignored it. And they will meet the same fate as the people who are described in the previous ayat. So human beings need to let go and make sajda and acquiesce to the reality situation in front of them as long as it is not a sin to do so. Right. And that's the key in Islam. As long as what is in front of you, meaning the solution is not sinful, and you're not going to be harming human beings unnecessarily, then you go with that and you say, Alhamdulillah. You make tasbih of Allah, Subhanallah, Alhamdulillah, and Subhanallah, Azim, etc. And you go with it. That is your responsibility. Now, Allah is providing you uh, now solutions to your problems every day. You don't want to look at them because they're not good enough for you. Then what is good for you? You don't know what's good for you. So people usually come and say, I'm so confused. Why are you confused? Your confusion sometimes is self-imposed 
because you are too arrogant to look at what is already there in front of you. Do you have a husband? Yes. Why do you ask him? I don't ask him. You have a wife? Why don't ask him? I don't ask him. You have parents? I don't like my parents. You have a teacher? I don't trust my teachers. You have the Quran? Oh, you have Islam? They're not arrogant. Man's quest for certainty starts at death. That's the only time you'll have certain. Yaqeen, certainty is death. In that ayah. So you go with what you are able to do at every given moment. That's your best judgment as long as what you are proposing to do is not a sin, then you're okay. Inshallah bi'idhnillah. Then you say, Allah, this is what I can do, and you forgive me for what I was not able to do. And then you move along in life, and that's how you see the next ayah playing out. تَتَجَافَ جُنُوبُهُمْ عَنِ الْمَضَاجِعُ يَدْعُونَ رَبَّهُمْ خَوْفًا وَطَمَعًا وَمِمَّا رُذْقْنَاهُمْ يُنْفِقُونَ they separate their sides, meaning uh, themselves, from their places of rest and sleep. Mabadi on the place of rest and sleep, meaning their beds. And what do they do? They call their Lord in fear, out of fear and out of hope. Both that I could be right, I could be wrong. Both that Allah may punish me and that Allah may reward me. So you're in this state of saying, okay, my Lord is my Lord. He, he will do what He wants to do with me, but this is the best I can do. I can make the effort to wake up and do my salat and dhikr, and I can make the effort to isolate myself from my rest and make dua and so on. They call their Lord for help and for assistance. In the private hours of their lives, this is their private life, not their public life. In their public life, they spend from what we have given them. Whatever Allah has given people, then they must spend from that so that they are part of the, the human societal uh, mutual cooperation race. And you go with the sadaqah, charity, sometimes with the altruism, sometimes through sacrifice of time and money, and sometimes sacrifice of whatever it is Allah has given you. So in the, in, the, in the private lives, they sacrifice some of their rest, and in the public lives, they sacrifice some of what Allah has given them. This is how they manage their lives, and this is their worldview, and they don't shy away from that, and that's how they become sane and sober, and they lead themselves, and they lead other people into a correct understanding of uh, how to follow Allah and Rasul. Once they do this, then Allah says, فَلَا تَعْلَمُ نَفْسٌ مَا أُخْفِيَ لَهُمْ مِنْ قُرَّةِ عَيُنٍ جِزَاءً بِمَا كَانِ يَعْمَلُونَ That no nafs, no soul knows what has been kept a secret for him or her that will give him the peace of mind and that will be an apple to their eyes. قُرَّةِ عَيُنٍ A joy for their eyes and so on. Now, what is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, what, what is this ayah? That in Jannah there will be rewards that we cannot even conceive in this world. It's not possible to conceive the rewards and the ajr and the thawab 
because that exists in another world. So we can't imagine that in this world. Allah is saying that, look, you may not know that the decision you've made here is 100% correct. But if your niyyah is good and your approach is good and you're not going to be sinful and disobedient to Allah, Allah will reward you in ways that you can't even imagine or think of in this world. This will be a reward and compensation for what they did. So, in Jannah there are several layers of reward. One layer is this, that you are rewarded okay, according to what you do. That reward is the least form of reward where we are not privy to what that reward will be. Only Allah knows how he's going to reward us and pay us. What is that? That is because we have trusted Allah in taking the initiative to do something that is correct. That initiative to acquiesce to what Allah is showing us is the right way gives us this reward which is mind-boggling, it is beyond our scope, our perception and conception and everything else. Other forms of reward are higher than that. Much higher than that. This is the least form of reward. Because it comes Jazaam bima is in compensation for what they did. What they did was not always necessarily 100% accurate. But they went with their best option according to the Qur'an Sunnah, according to what they understood is appropriate and is not sinful. Allah will give them this. So, we see here how we are also asked to make sajda for uh, believing in the reward Allah will give us. We need bow down and prostrate. Easier than the, the, the crime and the punishment should fit the crime, we say, right? And likewise, the reward has to be equitable. If I do 10 hours of work, you give me 10 hours of pay. Right. So this word, this phrase here, Jazam bima kani then makes no sense in terms of divine justice. Allah is going to reward you with something that is beyond you. That's not divine justice, that's divine fadl, that's grace. That's generosity. So here the Qur'an is saying that bow down to Allah's grace and fadl, His generosity, because the least amount of reward you should, inshallah, hope for as you're making dua to Allah out of fear that He might just punish you and out of hope that He will reward you. So the least amount of reward you should hope for is what? That He pays you in such a way that is beyond you. The divine justice works this way. If you're saved from punishment, that is Allah's fadl. And when he rewards you in Jannah, that is Allah's fadl. And we say this is how we bow down. We make sajda to the aqidah of divine providence and divine grace and divine fadl that he will reward us in ways that we are not privy to in this world. And that is how we make tasbih. And they say, Subhanallah, we have Subhanallah, we This goes both ways. So, our sajda is to the aqeedah, 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is bringing forward here, that we don't know how Allah is gonna, going to reward us. Jazam bimakayim. How much work did we do? We did five minutes of work. How five minutes? Well, we woke up from our beds, we made wudu, we did tahajjud, and we went, we went back to bed. In the previous ayah, that they keep themselves away from their beds. And when you wake up at the hajjud, this is what you do. Okay, not five minutes, ten minutes. Okay, some people fifteen minutes, some people half an hour. But eventually, you're in bed before, and you're going back to bed afterwards. For those ten, fifteen, twenty minutes, Allah is saying, uh, that you don't know how I'm going to reward you. Where's the equity in that? There's no equity in that. And this is forever. That if I'm going to reward you, I reward you for what you've done now. Allah has said, I'm going to reward you perpetually forever. Eternally. For the rest of your life. In Jannah. Allah is rewarding you for what, what you did. So that is not equity. Divine justice. So we believe as Ahlul Sunnah Jama'ah correctly believe that there is no such thing as holding God hostage to his justice. Allah will do what he wants to do because he does what he wants to do. So what do we hope for? We don't hope for divine justice. You don't want divine justice. Because if he's going to reward you, which is proportionate to your work, you will not be rewarded. Period. He might just take you to task and say, you know, your wudu, that day you did your wudu, that wudu was incomplete, you forgot to wash your this side of your face or this side of your arm or your elbow was now left and I can show you proof uh, Allah is I'll show you in the video you can see this was left dry your tahara was incomplete your wudu was incomplete and in your salat you were nowhere near me you were thinking about the day ahead of you you were making accounts of your your, your time, your hours, what you're going to do how you're going to get there, what you're going to do when you get there how you're going to come back home and eat and sleep and drink and which part of our amal is Allah rewarding us for not any part that I can think of and for making taking that initiative Allah says what so the only thing you can do is make sajda subhanallah alhamdulillah Allahu Akbar that you're rewarding us for taking the initiative, not for the act. In the bil-niyat. You go through the act, because that's what you do as a human being, and you're responsible for that, but the reward is from Allah. How does Allah reward? The way He rewards, and who is He? He is Malik uh, al-Mulk. He is al-Malik, He is the King. He is the ruler, He is the sovereign. And when you want a royal gift, hopefully the royal gift is not a simple little box, a thank you note, an email. A royal gift is royal. So a divine gift has to be divine. So Allah says that you don't know how Allah is going to reward you for what you do. And the only thing you can do is that you uh, consider making sajda. In this world, acquiesce to whatever Allah is giving you tawfiq to do and the solutions to your life that He is throwing at you day and night. There's always solutions. There's always hidayah. Uh, a Muslim 
cannot remain unguided if he is praying five times a day and in each rakat of his salat he is saying ihdina sirat al-mustaqeem it is not possible it is not possible you knock on Allah's door every day five times a day in each rakat of your salat he will open that door you don't want to go through it because of your istikbar because you are proud and you are arrogant you don't want to go through it uh, it's too difficult for me it's not difficult what's he going to do to you he's not going to kill you <laughs> he walk through his door he's going to receive you the way the divine grace receives you your reluctance and your arrogance and your pride and your inability to appreciate that Allah is guiding you every day is what's stopping you from being there and once you are there, then you'll make sajda. Then you won't have your nafs, and you won't have your ego, and you won't have your fancy ideas and ideals. It'll just mean that you're following the sunnah of Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Is the one who is a believer the, like the one who is an evil doer, a rebel? So here the Qur'an is juxtaposing the idea of submission and belief in Allah to the idea of rebellion against Allah. Although the word fasiq technically means a sinner and someone who rebels against the ahkam of Allah, it may also in a general sense refer to a non-believer because that's what the non-believer does. He rebels against Allah's will and doesn't want to appropriate his life according to Tawun, they cannot be the same. Someone who believes in Allah cannot be like the one who doesn't believe in Allah. They are not on the same level of intelligence. And they're not on the same wavelength. They don't have the same world view. They don't have the same line of action, plan of action. And their goals and ideals are very different. Don't say they are the same. They don't have common ground. One acquiesces to Allah's will and makes sajda. The other refuses to acquiesce to Allah's will and doesn't make sajda. How can they be the same? One is diametrically opposed to the other. Remember, read of the Quran, they're not the same. So, if you want guidance in your affairs, go to those who have acquiesced to the will of Allah first. Don't go to those who rebel against Allah's will. They are not the same. Right? Especially in matters that pertain to your salvation, to your well-being. In other matters, mundane matters that are somewhat insignificant and irrelevant to your akhirah, then fine. You want to fix your car, then a non-Muslim perhaps is just as good as a Muslim. We're not going to hold you to that. But you have a life-threatening decision. You have a very important decision in your life. And it, it, can, it, it uh, concerns you, your family, and other people. It's a huge decision you have to make. Then go to the one who knows how to make sajda. Because he's been there, done that. Don't go to the rebel. Because he has more money. Or he has a better degree. Or he has a fancier car and a better house. They're not the same. So go with the sunnah. The sunnah is to understand what Allah is saying and then go with that guidance from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala.
So this word Nayastun is not just an emphatic statement, it's a life uh, style decision making uh, proverb of the Quran. Layastawun. They're not the same. So this is how Muslims have always been that they, they would seek their nasiha from people who were ahead of them in their lives from the Islamic point of view. That they believe in Allah, they trust Allah and they dedicate their lives to following the rules and regulations Allah has put forward to them. They may not be 100% pure and pure returned the way you want them to be. That's another fantasy and fallacy in the minds of many Muslims. Well, you know, I saw him or her the other day and they Have you not ever made a mistake in your life? <laughs> Do you not commit sins left, right and center 24-7 in your life? The idea is that who's going to help you make that connection between your issue, your problem and what Allah wants from you? And that decision-making process is what's key to the Muslim Ummah today. How do I do this? How do I get there? And that is it. those who believe in Allah. And those who believe in Allah will always bow down in front of Allah's mercy, rahmah. And if they do, unfortunately, commit a sin or mistake, they will bow down in tawbah and ask for Allah's forgiveness also. So there's Puritan approach to lives. Uh, sometimes kills us that the Muslim community is always uh, downgrading itself that we're not doing this, we're not doing that. Okay, then for your guidance, who do you go to? You go to the interfaith now sessions that you have in your local masjid. Is that where you go to for guidance? I hope not. You go to now the American arena of politics. I hope not. <laughs> where do you go to? For life decisions. You go to those who know Allah, who know how to make sajda in front of Allah, who know how uh, you should make sajda in front of Allah and how to acquiesce and so on. That's where you go. Previously in the Ummah, everybody was doing this so we could go very easily to our parents, to our own children, to our siblings, uh, to our aunts and uncles and cousins. And nowadays no one is doing that so you don't have anybody to go to. So now everybody is confused and more confused than they should be. Right? What's the problem? The problem is the mindset. The mindset is that if I go to this person, maybe he doesn't know okay, too much about economics or politics. I say that's a good thing. Because the economics and the politics nowadays, they, they suck. Where has that got you? Mashallah. The previous hundred years of knowing politics and economics. Where is the Ummah today, hundred years later? Right. Yeah. Go with those people who know how to read Allah's signs and the signs in your life. This is how you do this. Right. So, they're not the same. So, don't hold them to be on the same level of intelligence, the same level of understanding of reality. أَمَّا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَعَمِلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ فَلَهُمْ جَنَّاتُ الْمَأْوَىٰ نُزُلًا بِمَا كَانُوا يَعْمَلُونَ As for those who believe and do good deeds, for them there will be the Jannah of retreat and refuge. As there are different levels of reward, there will be different levels of Jannah. One level of Jannah is called Jannah al-Mawa. The previous level is called Jannah al-Adn, the one before. 
جزاهم بما كانوا يعملون Jannatul Khulda. This is Jannatul Ma'wa. Jannatul Ma'wa is a place of eternal refuge where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give you refuge from uh, your concerns and from anything else. Those who believe and do good deeds, they are already in refuge in this world because they have around them fenced themselves into Allah's rahmah. And Allah's refuge, and that is Nuzulam Bimakani Amalun. This will be a welcome for those who are in the state of refuge all the time. As Muslims, we always seek refuge in Allah, Billah, from what? In a shaitan rajim. We're always in a state of seeking refuge. That's what Ta'awud means. We seek refuge. So we seek refuge from the devil, the cursed, the accursed devil, because he is very arrogant and he will insinuate doubt, suspicion, speculation in our minds regarding what Allah wants, what the Rasul is, and how Islam should be. Those who avoid that insinuation in this world will be left, uh, inshallah, in Jannatul Ma'wa, in the other world, because their refuge converts into a place of refuge, eternal place of refuge. This is the, 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 the hosting of Allah. Nuzul. It's a reception. Allah will receive them. In the first group, Allah will reward them. In the second group, Allah receives them as their guests, which is higher than the first. You see the difference? The difference in gradings. So this is one level, and this is a higher level. In this higher level, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will receive them as their guests and He will escort them to wherever He wants to escort them to through the angels. This is called Jannatul Ma'wa, the garden of refuge. Refuge doesn't mean just shelter. It means a place where you will be the guest of Allah. Even though the previous group, they are also, is also the guest of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But there, okay, their level is slightly lower and their rank is slightly lower than this one. These people, they always seek refuge in Allah from making the wrong decision and the wrong understanding of life. So they're in a perpetual state of seeking ta'awud, isti'adha, in uh, Allah from the devil. So they don't want the devil to come near them when they are seeking guidance from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَأَمَّا الَّذِينَ فَسَقُوا فَمَأْوَاهُمُ النَّارُ And as for those who are rebellious and do not believe in Allah or are not able to make sajda in front of Allah, their ma'wa and their place of refuge is the fire. Meaning they were always uh, debating and fighting and they were always in a state of being passionately in fire. Arguing with God, arguing with the truth, arguing with this and that, you know, this doesn't make sense to me, you know, uh, this is the wrong decision. There's, there's no acquiescing to any situation that gives them some sort of a solution. There was fighting. And the fight stems from anger. And that anger uh, overwhelms them, overcomes them, and they're always hot as they say, you know, state of heat, 
uh, the emotional heat and so on. They're passionate, but their passion is misguided. So those who are, that's why they rebel. You rebel because you're angry. If you commit a sin out of negligence, that's different from committing a sin out of rebellion and arrogance. They're two different states. Human beings are prone to committing sins and making mistakes. So this Tawbah, Allah will forgive you. But human beings who rebel and say, I'm not going to do this because I don't want to, and I don't believe in it, then that's a different state altogether. That is fisk at the, at the level of kufr. So Allah is referring to the second level of fisk, where those who rebel and come out of the fold, then their place of refuge will be the fire, the fire they ignited in the world. You start the fire here, then the effects will be there. Every time they will want to leave the fire of Jahannam, they will be made to return into it and they will know time and time again that they're not leaving because they never bothered to leave their state of rebellion in the dunya. So their perpetual state of rebellion translates into this perpetual state of fire on the day of judgment. And it will be said to them, now taste the punishment of the fire that you used to reject and deny and disbelieve. Because you denied and disbelieved the existence of this place and the existence of this fire, you'll be made to live here and taste it for a very long time. Here we see that what you sow here in this world will uh, be seen in the other world. So no act is going to be uh, unrewarded or <coughs> unrealized. As you see in another surah of the Quran, that even an atom's amount of good will be seen if, uh, and an atom's amount of evil will be seen on the Day of Judgment. You do something here, the manifestation will be there. That is divine justice. There's cause and effect. You can see it there. So if you want divine justice, this is where divine justice will occur. If you don't want divine justice and you hope for Allah's forgiveness and pardon, then you've seen where that occurs in the previous two or three ayat. Then Allah says, وَلَنُذِيقَنَّهُمْ مِنَ الْعَذَابِ الْأَدْنَى دُونَ الْعَذَابِ الْأَكْبَرِ لَعَلَّهُمْ يَرْجِعُونَ Indeed, most certainly, He will make them test the lower level of punishment before the higher level of punishment so that they may come back and return. Meaning, in this world, Allah will send them reminders through other problems. Hey, I'm supposed to be doing this, but I can't. Every time I want to do this, I fail. I don't even start. So now that's a reminder from Allah that this could be a punishment from God telling me that I'm doing something wrong. So there are checks and balances. And that is how some of the Mufassirun will see this ayah. Other Mufassirun say this refers to the battle of Badr. At the time of Badr, Allah subhanahu wa showed those non-Muslims who survived the battle. They look 
is there still time for you to come into Islam? Because Islam is growing and you must come into the fold. And before the ultimate punishment is met, uh, out to you, you must see this as a punishment. So some of us will say that. Either way, you can make it specific to that or you can make it broad in general. It is guidance from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that although we cannot categorically say that any incident in the world today is a punishment, we are not allowed to say that because to say the word punishment requires wahi. And since there is no wahi after the Prophet ﷺ, we can't say to anything that this is a punishment from God except those general statements that the Prophet ﷺ made about certain acts and certain deeds and so on. But, uh, outside of the word punishment, there are reminders. So we see reminders uh, of both types. A reminder that is good, and a reminder that is good in the sense that what you're going through is trying to alert you towards your misguidance. So these are reminders from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that I'm supposed to be doing this, but I'm not. And whatever I do never happens. Whatever I want to do never happens. Nothing materializes. I stop. And I stop cold. And that is where the human being should stop and say, I have to make sajda to Allah. And I quest Allah's will and command. And make more dhikr. Make more tawbah. Give more sadaqah. Infaq fi sabillah. And so on. So that I can reap more of Allah's fadl and his rahmah coming down upon me. On a daily basis. This is how you would see this ayah. Outside of the, the tafsir through the uh, story of Badr. وَمَنْ أَظْلَمَ مِمَّنْ ذُكِّرَ بِآيَاتِ رَبِّهِ ثُمَّ أَعْرَضْ عَنْهَا إِنَّا مِنَ الْمُجْرِمِينَ مُنْتَقِبُونَ And this is the ayah that tells us that tafsir. The tafsir I just made. Who can be more unjust than the person who has been reminded through the signs of his Lord and then turns away from them? He is in a state of dhulm. He is now being unjust to himself and to the others who are with him, around him, and perhaps depend on him. That you are constantly reminded by Allah's signs, as I said. Signs that will lead you to the right path. Signs that will tell you you're doing something wrong. And when you see those signs, then you must not turn your back against those signs, you must say. Alhamdulillah, this is Allah's warning. <coughs> if you do, you will be captured. In fact, here Allah says, Allah will take reprisals on you. Inna minal mujrimina muntaqimun. We will vindicate those who are criminals and do not believe in our uh, ability to, to, to warn, to remind, and then to punish. So when you are uh, trying to play God with your lives, then Allah comes in and says, uh, you're not God. Mm. You are to submit in front of every other power in the world, and especially the power of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, His might and His omnipotence and His, uh, uh, his ability to do what He wants to do, whatever He wants to do. So this is a summary of uh, the, the surah. Uh, the surah, as, uh, as you can see, pivots around oh. the idea that there is sajda, you acquiesce to Allah's will. 
and whatever stage and phase you're in, you make sajda in front of Allah and you say that it is you who is ruling my my life and you're governing the way you govern the Amr. In the previous ayat, Allah says, يُدَبِّرُ Amr." Allah governs and manages the Amr, the command from the heavens to the earth in a day that is a thousand years long. So here we see that our lives, they are not going to be a thousand years long. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala governs us. He arranges for us ayat and evidence and signs through which and with which and in which. Okay, he's going to inform us and reaffirm, reestablish this idea that he is in control. If you want to acquiesce to that, then you will be in a state of continuous refuge. You will not shake and you will not uh, be disturbed because of external events. Yes, external events in this world are inevitable. Sometimes they will be good and sometimes they won't be good. That's just the nature of life. You can't do anything about them except submit to Allah and say, okay, this is what you want, this is fine. At the same time, there's responsibility for the human initiative. You must take the initiative to do what you need to do in order to improve yourself and improve the situation around you so that you have this duality almost. You have Allah's omnipotence and man's responsibility. And in between you have the sajda. So after you've done your effort and you do diligence, you make sajda and say, this is what I can do, the rest is on you. Allah the dua. وَإِلَيْكَ الْإِجَابَةِ وَهَذَا الْجُهْدُ وَعَلَيْكَ التُّكْلَادِ It's one of the du'as of the Prophet Then you just say, Allah, this is my du'a. It is up to you to accept. And this is my effort. And I am relying upon you to accept my effort. So human beings must not become fatalistic in the light and nur of Allah's omnipotence. Likewise, human beings must not assume that they are God in the light of Allah's forgiveness. So there, there's this approach to life where you do what you can do with the tools Allah has provided you with. At the same time, when the time comes to acquiesce and submit, you acquiesce and submit, which is the meaning of sajda. That's why there is no name to the surah. The name of the surah is sajda. You acquiesce. You make sajda. You conform to Allah's will. But when? When you taken the appropriate steps to do what you can do as a responsible human being. Mm-hmm. We'll stop here. Jazakumullah khair. Uh, there is no class next week. We will be off on spring break. Uh, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be with you and with us wherever we are, inshallah, with peace and love. Subhan-